0: Welcome back to a new episode of the podcast Avis, a podcast we are working for uh, sharing with people about AEC technology, things that uh, relate to the construction. Uh, as usual, we are trying just to share ideas, uh, concepts, uh, real cases, scenarios about how technology works and the gap that we still have between uh, the uses that uh, we apply technology to our projects, between the real role and. Again, the intention is just to give you tips, advice, sharing uh, experiences with all of you and uh, hoping that you get more more involved with the use of technology and promoting more the, the abilities that we have. Today, we have a, a guest from, from Portugal, Francisco Seya, uh, structural Thank engineer. engineer. Wow. Welcome. Welcome to the episode. He's a structural, <laughs> he's structural engineer that uh, I had the opportunity to work with him like a couple of years ago uh in in big scale projects that's um, the topic we're going to we're going to talk today about is uh big scale uh, being beam, beam, beam projects sorry and uh the intention of this will be to give you like some some uh some ideas on what's the best way to actually use uh, beam for big projects uh it's definitely many things are really different to what the uh, books says to what experience says to what the scope of the project requires or even how to handle like different problems depending on design and etc., cetera,
1: et cetera, right? So, welcome, Francisco. How are you? Thank you very much for the invitation. I'm very good, thank you. Uh, so let's let's start this yeah. amazing conversation. I hope
0: <laughs> so. <laughs> Why, why don't you tell us a, a little bit about your background, Francisco? before we go to? The well, topic. You,
1: you said uh, very well. I'm a structural engineer. I started doing uh, some calculation, no beam involved in the beginning. I don't even know, uh, didn't know what beam was when I started, uh, and then I, I got involved in a, a project with which which we started to model the structural part in uh, in Revit. Uh, We got involved with the architect and the NEP doing some coordination. Um, And by that time, I was amazed uh, what what those guys were doing. And we weren't. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my interest was like, I I want to do this. I want to focus on this. Uh, I need to learn more about how we can improve this part. In the company, I was uh, working at, at the beginning. Um, though, that was my first project. was a, was a, a, a temple, uh, a Mormon temple in Portugal. Okay. Uh, then uh, I started. Uh, I left the company and I started working by myself, uh, only doing the structural part and modeling by myself. Uh, I did those crazy things that no structural engineer wants to do, which is <laughs> modeling rebars, yeah. uh, and it was amazing. The work I did uh, was saving me a lot of time. No one believes that, but <laughs> we, we can we can talk about this later. No one <laughs> believes that uh, those initial uh, times you, you put in the project yep. will save you lots lots of time uh, later. Um, then we met in Qatar, where yep. we were working in the uh, Khazababut Stadium. I think now he has he has a, a different name nine seven four stadium um and um and now I'm currently working as a well not a full beam manager but a more de- dedicated project manager but with the beam part mm-hmm. uh, doing some programming uh optimizing helping others yeah having some fun with python <laughs>
0: So, uh, did, you, did you expect when you, when you started in your career to actually uh, write code and play with models like a couple of years uh, ago? So when, I,
1: when I started, I actually started wor- working on uh, code, but it was for, for Excel, VBA. Okay. Uh, from my early days in the company, I was doing uh, lots of calculations and okay. repetitive uh, actions. And I was looking for those spreadsheets, and I was doing one by one, which was very stupid. <laughs> so yeah. that was my opportunity to do something I don't like to do, which is having a lot of work. I'm a bit lazy. Which oh, sure. it's oh, a good program. thing for oh. a good thing for an engineer to be lazy. <laughs> You'll find Over. a better way to do the things that <laughs> you don't you like or you don't like. Yeah. So I started doing some code there. Uh, only Excel nothing crazy um, my Python days started a bit later uh, like three years ago okay. uh, Python and Dynamo uh, I got a bit fascinated with the things I was able to do Okay. so uh, I dedicated some time after work on that uh, and now it's kind of normal to to me to open dynamo and write some some codes to optimize or or do some repetitive actions no one likes to do and actually i I saved a lot of time to people of doing very boring work
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i think i think that's one of the reasons like uh, people start getting involved with uh, automation uh, to, to remove all the tasks that we don't want to keep doing over and over again. And, uh, yeah,
1: exactly. And simplify actually, yep. Once you have those actions or, or a task, which is very boring, or um, you know you'll take a lot of time. Perhaps you can take the first, first days to think about some, some way to, to program it and then spend one day to run the code and fix yeah. a couple of mistakes. instead people panic and they start doing hard work Mm -hmm. Uh, they just want to finish that and they they are very afraid to to not be able to complete the code probably or i I don't think probably people they don't even know there there's a way of programming it and do it Mm -hmm. very easily yeah
0: totally and that's that's also like a a really good point because normally people want to rush and finish the work and they don't realize that Maybe if you spend like just like you were saying, like just another day trying to fix
1: the code, you will save
0: like a week of work. <laughs> and uh Yeah,
1: and then next time you have to do it, you have already yeah. the code done and yeah. you'll spend one minute clicking yeah. on a button. Um, yeah. so but but that's a typical issue that no one wants to spend time producing no. something that you you are not feeling it. <laughs> you yes. need to see something happening and coding it's a lot of 99 percent backstage and then one percent done yeah that's that's, once people that's true once once people see that done in one minute one minute they'll they'll go crazy (laughs) but the rest of the 99 percent of the time they are always pressing you to why are you doing just do something
0: yeah yeah no i i i I totally understand that point I, i think like when we when we when it comes about like skills uh, of programming, uh, I, once you discover the value that you can get with them, you never kind of go back. You know, you you start like I'm just fine. following that that that, uh, that path. You know that there's like huge difference, huge advantage. And just like you are saying, like if you like to be lazy and actually have good quality work, definitely you have to program it. <laughs> like, uh there's no way that uh, you can expect like crazy results and amazing things with. Uh, Let's just do like doing manual work. Uh, it's a bit like doing labor b- for versus doing like fabrication in 3D or like in a printer, uh, like back in the day. So well, still in the wall, like we know we b- we build manually, but uh, technology so it's supposed to help us to make life simpler, right? So. Uh, to be
1: faster, but yeah. with the same quality as as you were doing it manually. Yeah. Uh, so I can give you a small example of this, which is a project I I, I was in. Uh, I was supposed to design a, stru- a steel structural roof in uh, with some trusses, and uh, it was a very early stage in the project. So I, I knew that the columns were were changing for sure the heights the the weights everything was was going to change for sure so why should you model something manually that Mm. you will be have you, you you will have to change it later so stop think how you can do a simple solution of modeling a simple truss do it and then later on you you can always improve that that code and uh, get a better solution with no yeah. time so you, you you don't need to waste 3 days modeling the entire structure but you spend 2 days creating a simple code to yeah. to then run it 10 times if you need and to show yeah. to, to the client different solutions uh, different uh, truss heights different spans something like that
0: yeah, not to, it's 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 really like the it's way valuable. that it's, 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 it's supposed to be it's it's part of the the beginning of uh, generative design you know like uh, instead of just having one option and put all the people to do like one design you can actually play with the shape you can actually do many operations that involve the same geometry the same space but uh, when you just like you were saying when you think about the problem you see the variables that you need to modify then you get like an idea of what what type of code do you need to actually uh, complete at us without uh, reinventing everything over and over. And I mean, I, I I don't think no one actually wants to place beams or like structural for, or columns like. Uh,
1: oh, and, the, and uh, just ten yeah. ten times? No, no, yeah. no one wants to
0: do that. <laughs> so, so Trolley, and going a bit to the to to our topic today. Um, uh we're going to talk about like what's the what's the value of beam when when using big scale pro, uh when when playing with big scale projects and what are the things that we are supposed to remove from the from the the work uh for those who has experience on beam uh probably they have faced some of these issues uh, probably if you are big, starting with the, the use of beam and and modeling you 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 can take this as a as an advice on things that you need to avoid uh, as well t- on, on the workflow and if you are not well, familiar with this type of uh, uh, workflows at all like uh, t- in in terms of modeling beam and what's the advantage of it uh, we hope we can give you some advice on it so
1: uh well for big and for small Scale big stuff. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but bigger, uh, the bigger the the project, the the more problems you you have. <laughs> uh, but uh, I've been seeing uh, some massive projects, um, and uh, and I heard, never saw it, but I heard that some companies from the beginning, they model everything like perfection even Even if it's uh, uh, the start of the project and you're not even in detail design, like okay. just studying the project, they have perfect modeling and I've okay. seen the other approach, which is a bit more rough modeling, but the uh, the general ideas are there there is no no way better way to do it if you are very confident or very good at modeling, probably you, you can do the the very well coordinated modeling with no no stress. Uh, okay. But, uh, I I I think I prefer to go simple, get your concepts uh, fine tuned, mm-hmm. and uh, stage by stage. Like uh, it's like the LODs. You are uh, growing on the LOD, one by one, slowly adding more information, uh, coordinating. Uh, improving the design. So step by step, you, you'll get the, the the perfect solution. For those who modeled everything perfect from the beginning, well, mm-hmm. they have to remodel it several times for sure. And they have more elements to, to delete or change positions or everything. So I think in the beginning, you can fix uh, later problems, uh, okay. But you have tons of work that you probably don't need, and you can simply discuss discuss uh, like the rough solutions to to later improve in um, in terms of quality or elements models.
0: Yeah, and, and this this is a really valuable point. Like uh, for people that is starting to play with with BIM and with modeling, try to go. All, I, I I I totally agree. It's really important that you go to the the basics of so the general information first before you can ent- access the detail of it. There's many ways that the details can change and probably like in our experience, I think like we have never seen one project that is frozen in the first uh, couple of months of the stages.
1: Right, it's always evolving. And yeah. why do I try to fix and freeze everything from the beginning? If, <laughs> yeah. if you know that it's going to. Yeah. To it's going to
0: change and it's going to change like, massive. Yeah. And this as well, life, <laughs> and just and just like we were saying at the beginning, it's it's really cool. Like if you actually learn and get skills of about programming, or you get like the right people to do code for you, but well, you can actually ask them to develop uh, simple codes that help you to understand the concepts and the behavior of it. So later in the project, you will start saving time.
1: Exactly. Uh, so there are a couple of things that I'm always seeing in the project. Which are the, um, like false ceiling the uh, space, it's always a, an issue. Even if you s- left two meters height of false ceiling, it will be a problem always. Yeah. It's MEP, it's crazy. <laughs> so this is like, why you are you modeling everything if you don't know if you have space, and trying yeah. to coordinate everything like just sketch something with your hands. <laughs> Very simple,
0: yeah,
1: and uh, the other are usually the technical areas, which have the equipment and electrical and everything, so usually those are a mess also, so I, I approve to do some some 3D modeling, um, yeah. because you need to understand the 3D space, but you don't need to go crazy on designing all the valves and pipes and curves and everything. Huh. Usually, and those are the the areas more problematic. The rest is kind of easy to solve.
0: Yeah, and I think there's there's a lot of value when when you're developing models. Uh, this is this technology is supposed to save time when you are actually performance construction, which is actually the real saver. Uh, I mean, it's really good. Like, still, there's a cultural gap maybe that uh, people don't understand the value of having a a, a BIM model. And they prefer just to go and solve everything on construction. Like uh you know, just give me the CAD files. I'll go to the side I'll and solve
1: I'll, it on. Because yeah, that's yeah. very uh, here in Portugal. It's very typical to to yeah. send everything for construction. They'll solve it, but uh, you'll spend lots of money yeah. on that because it's yeah. not scheduled. It's not like quantified, so. Yeah, you no. spend a lot of money on those items, and, and and all the problems that you are solving in the model are
0: actually the ones that people try to solve in the construction. Uh, the big difference is just like uh, like you were saying, uh, uh, the amount of money that takes to solve in a model compared to the amount of money that takes to solve on the on directly on the site. And those, exactly. those 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 problems you can you you can actually uh, predict them. Once you have a model, once you start like doing the workflow of coordination. So there's also like different phases, uh, that are required for this, uh, type of workflow. And this is related to how, when you start the project, like normally, uh, you will have architects working, you have structural people working, you have, uh, and you have engineers like map systems are uh, working on the model. But then you have also like a coordination just designed for the model, like uh, people that actually start like fixing and and looking for for, uh, coordination problems. Uh, This can be like uh, finding clashes. This could be uh, organizing data because when you talk about stadiums, airports uh, or big projects, like the amount of data that you have in the models is huge. (laughs) And uh, it's really important to understand how to visualize this as well and this is uh, this is where coding actually becomes really interesting right
1: uh, well, for the information it's crucial to have some kind of uh, script that solves your your problems and usually it's a script uh, project by project uh, i don't believe in scripts for everything yeah uh, you have to always adapt to, to the specific uh, Project you are in the specific information the, sp- uh, the specifics from the, for the client for the type of project, um, but definitely don't uh, don't write the information manually. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> at least roughly you can do some yeah. scripts r- roughly. Then go like check what's going on, but don't. <laughs> please <laughs> it's uh, i've seen uh, no and uh, i've seen uh, especially in the structural uh, models which you have to identify the, the same types of columns that go from the bottom to top like group them by yeah. types uh, the beams which are numbered by axes and levels and so imagine someone populating that information manually on a project that you have uh, 1,000 uh, beams. Can you imagine going yeah. through all the beams and uh, just putting
0: one, two, three, four?
1: <laughs> it's uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Actually, you have to combine a, a bunch of uh, parameters. Yeah. If you have different buildings, different levels, different uh, zones, uh, you can combine all that information based on coordinates, based on uh, another parameter that you already have. Based on the built-in parameters like levels or height, something like that, uh, and then uh, like works some magic. Preferable in Python because it's way faster and way easier to organize lists or dictionaries. Mm-hmm. And then once you have the the information organized and the parameters you have, you just populate.
0: Yeah, and and, and that's. super valuable like people that uh that get these skills they can actually manipulate data and visualize data and this becomes crucial when you are like doing operations for logistics when you want to do like uh if you are familiar with kobe or not well there's a lot of things that are good from kobe i know a lot of people is just like what do i need all this data what is this mess what is all this combination of parameters but uh all companies are basically like even Amazon developed like this type of coding to take uh, control and track of the operations because it's a it's a term of logistics I and mean, it helps a lot when you actually structure the, the the information of your elements. You can also realize when you are missing elements or so like if you have inform like elements without information that are required to be updated, and this helps you to actually have control and success on the. On the quantifications of the elements on the estimations when you want to like link things to like uh, concepts uh, and share the information with the people that is going to do like a uh, well budget and construction where that's the that's basically the saving that we are aiming to do yeah for um, us
1: like architects engineers uh, sometimes it looks very stupid to to combine all the, all these parameters and spend a bit of time doing that But this is a huge saving time for later stages of the project. Um, And this this disconnects this connection between the engineers and the construction or the facility management. Yeah, Uh, it needs to be we we need to reduce this gap. Uh, The engineers need to understand what facility managers are doing and facility managers needs to understand what engineers are doing the difficulties of each other helping each other from la- uh, e- um, beginning of the project yeah uh, otherwise you'll you'll uh, you'll finish the project and then someone comes ah oh, we need to uh, ten ten more parameters. <laughs> but you, you could have done that from the beginning and carry on Uh, much easier and understand exactly what what those parameters are and what what, what's the intention of them
0: yeah and and this is also a good point like you need to you need to figure out like what parameters you need instead of just trying to go crazy and try to go by the book Uh, everything
1: yeah if you if you try to apply the the entire kobe list yeah for what (laughs) Why do you need yeah. that? Yeah. And actually, sometimes the, the fault is from the clients, which yeah. they don't understand. They want everything. Uh, they have some consultant <laughs> that's telling them, uh, we need this, we need that. Um, and the, sometimes they need to ask, why? Why do I need yeah. this? What's the yeah. point? Yeah. I've, the- I've been doing projects for 30 years in CAD. So <laughs> now they are telling me, since I'm working on 3D, I need to have all this information for what? Yeah. <laughs> what's the point? What 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 will be the the goal of this? My my gains? Tell me why why do I need all the Kobe or why do I need a classification, classification system?
0: Yeah, yeah not
1: important. Ex- exactly, I think that the
0: first thing is that you have to question like what's a, what's the value that you're gonna have from that. There's definitely, I mean, we know both that there's definitely a change between the CAD and the BIM uh, workflows and the value to have uh, uh, the information on it is to have the correct information and just the right amount of information in the model, according to the scope that you also need, right? Like uh, if the scope of the project is just uh, go to schematic design, well, you you just need a certain amount of data if you are doing design development then probably you you have to worry a little bit more about detail uh about the geometry etc uh, etc et right but uh exactly but sometimes you know the the book will tell you give me all these uh, give me these ten parameters and you can actually do design development you can actually do construction with just five of those parameters maybe uh and and the rest is is not that important if uh, you don't have anyone that's going to do that or if you have a company that will do the second, the next phase, well, the next company will actually go and take the model and figure it out. And I think that's one of the issues that uh, we need to establish and understand that there's different stages in all the projects and depending on your stage, depending the value that you're going to and the effort that you put and invest on it. Exactly. So this this uh so a little bit going to the to the other side like what are the things that you recommend people avoid when doing
1: uh BIM? what do i uh, avoid uh yes yeah. so many things <laughs> well, uh, i've I've worked with models with uh, probably thirty CAD files linked uh lots of Non adaptive details, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, um, it's crazy because people are still very attached to the cards, uh, <laughs> like yeah. typical details, or and they don't want to increase the let's call it LOD of the elements in order to extract some details from there. Um, but the problem is you start. Messing with manual stuff with a very beautiful adaptive model, and that's the the the, the point where you you start having lots of issues, okay, yes you have typical drawings that you drawn twenty years ago uh, and you adapt them to all the projects yeah. but then what you modeled it's not corresponding, so would it be easier mm-hmm. to? Just create a section on that, uh, that particular area, and probably draft on a bit on top of it. And every time the geometry change or the position change, everything is adapting. Yeah, it's much easier than going back to CAD, link again, uh, and then where is the CAD? And then you share the model, and the CAD is lost, uh, and then you have to reload. Where is the CAD? Where is the latest version of the CAD? And yeah, you're and still that... in CAD for what?
0: And it's like, like bring everything work. for the,
1: <laughs> the, the replicating. <laughs> <laughs> it's nonsense. Yeah. Just bring those details to to your model, and um, once you've you've done that one time, it's very easy to replicate and to adapt for other situations. Because the typical detail is usually very generic, no dimensions. No. Like mm. go and adapt to every situation. <laughs> uh, but imagine even in going back a, a little bit with code, imagine that you want to you want to produce typical details for like a slab with with a wall in very different situations. You can grab a piece of code. Uh, just understanding how many how many types of walls do you have how many types of slabs and just simply draw it like automatically from your model and not from mm-hmm. a generic uh, situation
0: yeah and it's true because th- and this is so funny because when i started like uh one of the first jobs that i had uh, i remember people used to give me typical details like in the university i was not <laughs> used to this at all you know because uh, school is way different so they gave me these typical details and i was like like, what the fuck? This doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, this, this is uh, absurd because they asked you to put something that uh, doesn't apply to your project at all because they just basically grab your typical detail from another project and they're yeah. like, oh, it's yeah. like and this. And then you
1: carry on with yeah. the, the same detail from 20 years ago. Which
0: yeah. Is completely <laughs>
1: obsolete. But you're still, ah, oh, just put it there. It's a typical detail. And and the typical it detail make sense? It No, it doesn't make any sense. Just... <laughs> Apply for two days, write some code or some yeah. generative uh, detail, in the yeah, uh, or a family, or simply uh, adaptable family, which combines those those two elements in different ways with two parameters. Yeah, doesn't take that long, I think.
0: And another big problem that I I do believe that it's really important for teams to to understand and set up at the beginning of the project is how to organize a team to work. Uh, normally, like, uh, I think the lack of strategy when doing a project, uh, really like, uh, hurts a lot to the team and not to the team, but to the, to the capacities of, of, of what the modeling can have. Uh, but what do I mean with this? For example, when you, when you have a team and, and you're going to start like, um, Working on a project, depending on the experience, if they code, if they don't code, then that's going to affect in somehow the result of your model. So I think it's kind of good when you organize your team and and understand the the capacities of each one. Because to be to be honest, like sometimes uh, it's more valuable to have someone that knows how to code rather than having six people modeling. Because it's probably that people can that that person can actually do the task of six person. <laughs> uh if he has enough experience on 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 some coding you know so
1: at least to to start working like yeah uh create several elements and then go adapt them manually or something like that, but from the beginning to to develop the work very easily yes
0: yeah it, it's and yeah it's it's
1: and and that's that's something that i I realize that
0: it hurts to the projects like uh people want want just to kind of like um Start doing things without organizing. Who's doing what? Uh, if you are like doing structure, if I'm doing walls, if I'm doing, uh, I don't know, like data, etc., etc. Right? So people sometimes just want to jump in and start like uh, putting doing things like a like a drawing because CAD is it's kind of like that. Uh, drawings in CAD, people just are like, uh, okay, I'll do I do the floor plans, <laughs> and. Uh, in in the in the concept of beam you cannot think like i'm gonna do floor plans you you need to actually plan what's the strategy to to go for the model
1: yeah exactly if you have several guys modeling uh let's say the structural model first you need to work without work sets for sure mm-hmm. otherwise you'll get lock uh locking the the others work or the other element so that's the first strategy that I would would advise to, to work on, the work set creation, which usually the, the companies, they have already those templates. So it's yeah. not an issue. Uh, and then you need to understand what are you doing. Uh, always look at these work settings. If you are doing the right things on the right work set. And, uh, yeah, well, in the big projects, yeah, you... Either you go by all the beams, all the columns, all the floors, all the stairs, or you have like buildings and you'll model the entire building. The other guy models another building. There's different types of approach. I believe probably dividing by building each, it's much easier because you control the entire building for yourself and you understand it better instead of placing elements randomly on the, the, on the void of the model. Um, yeah. So I would say that probably it's the best, the best approach to work building by building uh, individually, <laughs> but with the correct work sets uh, always. Yeah, not,
0: and it's, it's super crucial to, to have this, this type of strategies and, and an understanding of the project. Another big issue that I still believe that, uh, it's not the best is how do you uh, do the administration of the models? Uh, Like normally I, it's really strange when you work with a firm that uh, knows where they are going. Uh, Sometimes I had a lot of experiences where people is just kind of like going on the flow and we will adapt, which yes, it's important to have adaptation for this type of uh, work. And this, this is important for like really big scale projects like, having a strategy will save you a lot of time rather than just improvising the whole time. Sometimes improvising can be like a, a bit messy, especially when you have tons of elements and tons of data. So how many models do you have, what do you put in those models? What's the size of the models? Because uh, all models have uh, limits on times of size and, and behavior. And sometimes uh, putting everything like a, uh, in just one model is not the best strategy at all <laughs> and this this became uh, like probably if, if,
1: to begin with probably it's not the, oh. the worst idea to start yeah, everything but, together uh, to place some rough elements or even uh, like aligned ones and a bit coordinated because it's always easier to separate and combine models yeah, yeah. so i would prefer to to start everything together Mm-hmm. Uh, and always um, controlling those issues that you were talking about, size uh, elements, what kind of work we are doing. And then later, and if it's a big-scale project, uh, sooner or later you have to, to split the models. Yeah. It's impossible. To go to those kind of detailed models, you cannot like or is it a yeah. small house or building? Or what? you have a massive project with several buildings all together, uh, you cannot, it yeah. will be impossible. Even because you, companies, they don't have computers for that. Uh, it's very difficult to work um, with them, coordinate them, because you are mm. a bit lost. You have to populate a lot of information to, to organize the the elements. And uh, in the end, it doesn't fit well those massive models. All the documentation inside—it's it, getting heavier and heavier, and, and uh, impossible to work with. Yeah, and that's and, and
0: this is that's that's and actually so true, like... sorry.
1: Just to and why why would you have like twelve buildings together? And if you want just to work with one model, one building at yeah. the time and uh, going building by building but having those 11 buildings dragging in your computer it's nonsense
0: no it's 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 so true man like uh recently we we have been working with a with a project that uh we had been well we had the bad um luck in this one to have a lot of information just in one model because uh at the beginning, it was just like a reference, so it was like okay, like if it's a reference, won't be an issue. But then we start like adding things without actually knowing that we were going to adding things. Uh, so sadly, like the model, like uh, in a messy way, became a, a bit slow. And and that those kind of things, that's something that I, I would love to have just like a preview of, of on it, on that that was going to happen, so that way we could decide that we were going to change it, the the strategy of the model uh but uh yeah sometimes well in this case we had to adapt because other because other factors but uh it's good when you have the vision that uh where are you heading with the project well, what's going to happen and that way you just like you're saying like uh split the model if you have multiple
1: buildings but, but you have to have that strategy from the beginning yeah if yeah. <laughs> it gets bigger you need to know where to to split in advanced yeah otherwise you'll get the moment and Everyone is trying to decide and you're trying to communicate to 50 people where to split and no one's, it's a bit messy. So if you have those um, uh, strategies on the BAP or even in in your naming convention, you have prepared that split for the future, Uh, it gets a bit easier because no one will suspect anything is wrong and it's part of the plan. (laughs) No, yeah. if you in the middle of a project, you say, without ever talking about that, we are going to split yeah. this in 12 different models, everyone panics. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Have, they have elements crossing different buildings, or they have a, a base connecting all these buildings, and they get, wow, well, what? I have elements crossing 12 buildings. Uh,
0: yeah. So if you prepare
1: <laughs> them to, to do that in a later stage, it gets yeah. very easier no nope, yeah,
0: it's 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 amazing the things that you can see nowadays in the in the models uh <laughs> another like another, another good thing that i believe that uh everyone should start to to explore nowadays is uh the collaboration in cloud i think for for me for my experience after working all these years with uh three d models uh and having the technology to use cloud finally and it's just like a super uh, amazing advantage to, to jump yeah, in. I'm and using
1: uh, the model coordination now from Beam 316. Nice. And uh, I have to say I'm very pleased about that. Uh, yeah. It needs improvement, of course. Uh, but uh, in terms of... Well, you don't have to open that Navi's works. Yeah. Flashes... Um, of course, with Navi, Navisworks, you can create very specific clashes. And that's the part of BIM 360 that I think it needs to be improved because BIM 360 clashes everything with everything. Yeah. But visually, it's very easy to manipulate and to navigate, to identify yeah. uh, all the clashes. You can simply ignore a couple of them by filtering. Uh, but I think it's easier because then you create the issues, you specify people, you start like uh, logging your conversation about those kinds of issues, then replicate that for other similar issues, yeah. and instead of having uh, ten thousand clashes, which is very normal in big yeah. projects, even more, you can end like with two hundred issues that, if solved, for all the types so yeah. each issue for one building but replicates through all levels and all buildings and uh, instead of having two hundred issues you have one for that, you start to compact it and uh, actually every every uh, update of the model it's run by itself. Once you click on model coordination, the clash already run, so you just need to analyze. Uh, you can navigate by previous issues, uh, check what's going on with the teams. If they reply, they didn't reply. And yeah. it's like, you remember BeamTrack? Yeah, yeah. It's similar, but without the, the, the clashes from Navisworks, which is, I think, the, what's missing now on Beam360. Yeah, A and way to organize the clashes by element or something like that.
0: No, and and, and uh, like the cloud, I think is is getting better and faster. Uh, but it's it's a bit like um, what's the what's the purpose of the of of the of use of Navi's world. Just like you're saying, probably Navi's world, you will be able to uh, administrate better your information to get the information that you want to get uh, compared to the cloud. At least for now, that's what we have. Uh, who knows? Like uh, in the future, we will have everything in the in the cloud uh people will be just uh doing everything directly in the cloud that's that's something that we will have to uh, wait and see but uh you still
1: use the you can still use navis works um create issues pass them to viewpoint viewpoints viewpoints yeah and then send it to Beam 360 and you'll get the views there yeah um but i'm not sure <laughs> I'm still um, processing yeah, that information. Not sure if it's the way. Yeah, uh, well, it, it's still good for uh, if you have a coordination meeting and no. you want to show some elements. Of course, no doubts. Uh, and if you want to run a quick, a quick analysis or something like that, it's good to show high management or even the teams like very quick what's going on with the models. But in terms of follow-ups and, yeah. and uh, bringing the designers to those issues and con- uh, talk with each other, I think BIM 360 will be a better way to do that. To interact yeah. between the uh, disciplines, yeah. uh, not, not like just showing the, the issues, but talking with people. Say is this electrical issue, and the electrical teams and know the MEP, the mechanical needs to adapt. And the mechanical replies, and then solved. You move on. That's the dream. It doesn't work like that. I wish <laughs> <laughs> it could. It could work like that. And that's why we we'll, we'll have to. Like us, uh, we are here to do that. Yeah.
0: Trying to do that. No, and, and definitely. I mean. It's been ages since I stopped working with Kat. Uh I think once I discovered the value of models, uh, I was just like, okay, so I'm just... Like for me, it's not just like doing a simple model and figuring out that I could save a lot of time doing sections. <laughs> that was just like uh, the beginning of it. And uh, <laughs> and just like when you start like advancing and you start like realizing all the things that you can save, not only on your personal work, but you realize that you can save a lot of effort for a uh, construction like beam is now that it's now that you can save uh, about 20 to 50 percent of construction uh, budget just by using beam properly and uh if you translate that amount of money of save of savings to the to the value of the construction uh you're talking about like huge uh amount of money uh until and, and, and yet the people well companies they don't understand that with those savings uh you can basically pay a whole proper operation of beam and uh and still have got, get your savings because sometimes people when you charge beam they're like well like compared to cat this is like uh way over budget but why am i of, paying this yeah and people need to to follow up like this is not cat this is uh completely different than cat and the savings are real like uh some some countries, I think, like you are familiar with, that uh, some some countries or some cities from some countries, they already uh, have Beam as a mandatory. Uh, it's not something that uh, you can actually do to to improve, but they have it as a, as a mandatory. Not only because of the savings, because they kind of they also realize to have that uh, having the value of data for cities is is going to be really really important for the next generations, uh, for the recent future of the cities.
1: Yeah, but only having uh, like designers working with Beam, or whatever the software, yeah. it's not enough. Because they will model it, okay, uh, my structure is here, my mechanical is here, my electrical is here. But if they don't collaborate, if they don't talk, if there is no coordination, like it's yeah. mandatory to have someone coordinating. Otherwise, you'll get to... I, I, I saw a couple of months ago a model uh, apparently they were starting construction on that week so I have access to the models and I run a simple clash detection and I was saying how, how are you going to build this yeah, you have ducts you have inside the, the steel structure yeah. uh, you have foundations with pipes crossing it what's going yeah. on here
0: yeah.
1: so yeah. yeah they work in Revit they show a pretty model individually or even with the architecture which hides all the issues but once you start getting the real information and coordinating it it's a mess so those are the cases that uh, give a bad name to bim because the clients then say why why did i pay for this if it's a mess now who's going to solve the construction team or go back to the to the engineers to to solve this and and probably it it will end like one of the projects in Qatar, uh, hmm. the the white stadium. <laughs> remember? <laughs> yeah. We remember. Yes, yeah. we were in the middle of construction, and we are we are still having tens of thousands of clashes and yeah. and two hundred models to figure out the detailed design shop drawings. And what was yeah. going yeah. on there? The stadium <laughs> is built, so I hope. Everything is fine with the stadium, and someone solved the issues. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I, I think they lost the value of being there by going into construction without a proper coordination. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure they solved lots of issues on construction sites instead of working with the models.
0: Yeah, and sometimes, well, it's, it's just like we are saying: we we adapt to what we have, to what we can, to the team that we. We can get and especially in these big projects like uh i think it's it's really important to also consider like the the companies trying to pursue to build like beams beam models like that because definitely it's not an easy task especially in big scale projects like it's not the same as in a solving coordination in a house but when you talk about stadiums uh, airports like uh, big things like Coordination is a huge uh, task of the of the project and uh, at least having the experience to and, and this is this happened to me like I remember back in 2014 I was building a, a model for a data center so we were talking about we talking about like tons of uh, uh, map systems and back in the day you didn't have dynamo you didn't have anything to control the data or like so I realized how difficult it was to to do coordination in these type of models without having all the infrastructure that we have now in the softwares or in the cloud and just jumping to that type of uh, of uh, of modeling and that detail of modeling was like a an amazing experience that project also was like um well that project was like it was good at the time but at the same time if I think about it it was it had so many problems <laughs> uh when we develop it. And uh it's not that um I can say that uh that it was a, a fail. I think like actually I can I consider that project as a as an amazing experience on what are the things that you, you need to actually develop and to understand the value of having a model and how to use the model, not just like jumping in and go crazy because you have to deliver anything. Uh it's more important to hold on a bit more. Because like, if you save, I think if you save, uh, if you spend one more, uh, another month in a model, you're going to spend like probably, th- you're going to save like three months of construction, like at least, you know, and people don't understand this yet.
1: Yeah, but no one wants to spend uh, <laughs> lots of time in the beginning because they are always thinking that the project will change uh, we are wasting time. We are wasting resources. We are wasting everything. Yeah. Yeah. Just put something there. And uh, this mentality is what's delaying everything in the future yeah. of the project. Uh, don't don't waste a lot of time because this will, will change for sure. Uh, but if you, you spend a bit more time and you talk with the rest of the team, the rest of the engineers, the architects, if you dedicate a bit more time in the beginning, yeah. you solved all the issues, so there's is no need to change in the future. Only if uh, layouts or clients want to change something. That's a different issue, but in terms of like technical spaces, um, technical areas, coordination, spend a bit more time in the beginning to to gain it... On the detail design or construction,
0: yeah, no, and, and yeah, many things to to keep you But uh, definitely, it's a technology that's worth using. Uh, a lot of value on it when you apply it correctly. So, anything you want to add to to people that is actually is uh, doing this? Any 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 last opinion on what's the, what's the vision for the future of BIM and and any advice you want to share with the audience? Uh, uh
1: I'm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, sooner or later, uh, like the architects did, uh, the the engineers will start modeling more. Uh, mm-hmm. Nowadays, I see a lot of people which have probably some backgrounds of uh, dra- drawing or draftman or something like that, and they evolve to to be modeler. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that the way uh, things that should be done is no more be modelers but just engineers working on the models because it the model is not a, a drawing you you extract from that from there it's a uh, it's design you are designing in 3d so you yeah. need to have valued input uh, otherwise you are like messaging each other like the engineer say to the modeler do that do that And they explain in 2D, probably. If you cut this part and go directly with the engineer modeling, they know exactly what they need to do. And they will detect the problems way ahead uh, the B-modeler. I I have lots of respect for the B-modelers. That's not what I'm saying. But they should have engineering backgrounds. Yeah to to design the the beam softwares they are design softwares they are not drawing makers in 3d
0: yeah totally i it will definitely I, I agree that it's becoming a skill that uh it's just like everyone knows how to use cat right like uh in the future, everyone will know how to use any beam platform or any 3D model platform that
1: helps you to reduce the amount of work. And For, uh, in, for the architect, you don't have a beam holder. It's yeah. the architect doing because you are designing the same mm. as the structural, the mechanical, electrical, hydraulic, uh, whatever the, the discipline is. You need to have engineering background so to don't... design, not to draw. You're not drawing. You're not laying seams. You're not building a house to play. You're designing a house. So you need background. Yeah. And um, that's, I think, something useful. Uh, and then uh, programming. Yeah. Uh, but I understand people don't probably, they don't have the the feeling, the good feelings about programming. They don't want to learn. They don't like it. Yeah. Uh, so for us, it's good. It leaves more space for us to shine. <laughs> yeah and everyone was like what well amazing how do you do that you know, just yeah. three years learning <laughs> sitting like down in the internet breaking while. keyboards breaking keyboards <laughs> to learn that why are you not working and this was just a comma displaced.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: but uh, yeah the, it's a combination of everything of course you have uh, a <clears throat> Not everyone will follow this. The the modeling with the engineer background and programming, um, because sometimes you need to be technical, uh, okay. technical engineer a coordinate a project manager. And for those, you don't need a lot of these skills. But yeah, I... uh, for me, I think it's very interesting to to have these skills: uh, structural engineering uh, <clears throat> backgrounds, the coordination backgrounds. And uh, the Python or programming with the data analysis or mm. data manipulation, some automation in some process. I think it's a good combination of skills to have in this industri- industry from future days ahead. Yeah, no, it's
0: totally, I totally agree on that. Like, if, if you are passionate about this type of uh, workflow and you want to simplify your life and like you saying shine better in the in the work uh programming is definitely a super good skill that uh i don't know in my in my perspective like uh i never thought like i was going to learn how to program at all like that not that never skipped into my head until like uh,
1: i hate programming in the in the university first year (laughs) i was like what what is this c c (laughs) sharp no c plus plus Okay. It was horrible. I, uh, probably it was the way they teach. So no more programming for me. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the day I started working, I was like, "What programming is actually very useful?" Yeah. Uh, I, my only wish is that I started five years before the first <laughs> day of of college. That that
0: you understand the value of it back in the day, right? Yeah.
1: And it's uh, it's a very sh- it's a shame that. Uh, the college are not working better on this uh, was very outdated like sleep c++ who who cares about c++ for engineering yeah (laughs) i never used it Uh, probably c sharp okay i understand but python and visual basic probably Uh, they are very similar but well if you learn programming uh, all the languages are following the same logic. Yeah. It's just the way you typed. Uh but I remember it was horrible that experience. <laughs> but don't give up.
0: Yeah first first months <laughs> are, uh, uh, yeah the first months are the <laughs> difficult ones then you just get uh, really Don't give up yeah. Passionate about it. Uh so yeah the fun So I hope uh, everyone gets something from this uh, uh, new episode from the podcast. Uh, Trust us, like uh, we're talking from experience rather than just uh, uh, reading books. uh, Yeah, following standards
1: that (laughs) no one read. I'm pretty sure. Very few people read those standards. And whoever sometimes wrote the standards
0: never actually work on a project. So
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's very true.
0: That's that's also another project. Uh, the problem. So
1: try to apply yeah. those standards to a real project is it's never. Well, yeah. it can work, but it's no.
0: I don't. Yeah, think so. I remember just like a a joke a, a couple of years ago. Like um, so Beam was like starting to be something radical just uh, back in the day. And one day I saw like these guys like uh, we have we, we just developed like a master in beam and I'm like <laughs> so you are doing a master degree now when beam is only out there for like two years in the wall and now people is uh, was just I started like seeing all these programs jumping in, like hey we're still in master 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 and I'm like w- w- what's the point like you of having a master when this has just been like uh, two years uh, like in the wall so the reason I say this is because like imagine like if just we just came up with mathematics like 2 months ago and we still like we want to do a master on mathematics like uh, it doesn't make sense you know so it doesn't make sense I, I, I think I think maybe it's a bit like that and especially because the problem well one of the advantages of this type of work is that it's basically based on technology and technology technology is evolving like super fast like it's not evolving like in in we are not talking about scope of 10 years. We are talking about like, there's like huge difference on the libraries that we have like one year ago to the ones that we have today. Uh, So you have to keep up like really fast and to keep up uh, the best way to actually, at least in my experience is the internet, like uh, go and figure out. And work,
1: uh, work on it. Like theory is very good for other things, but in this Mm -hmm. case, I think working on this and understanding uh, the big scales the, or even small scale projects—they are—they won't work with all those rules or all those uh, impositions yeah. of the, the standards. It's never going to to work. It's,
0: it's, it's totally like that. Well, so hope you enjoyed this episode, and uh, we'll come back with more episodes. Thanks, Francisco, for having for being with us today. Thanks for the, uh, the
1: invitation. somehow it's a pleasure.
0: <laughs> I hope we speak soon with the rest of uh, of the people who's interesting if you want to know more about Francisco you can definitely contact him through LinkedIn or about his work if you have any doubts uh, definitely uh, a structural engineer that uh, has the skills to help you assist you in projects or collaboration so I will leave the the link to his LinkedIn profile there in the in the podcast episode uh, feel free I'm pretty sure like he he can give you a hand anything that you require for, for this type of operations. I
1: have a, a very interesting article in LinkedIn, if you want to check it. <laughs> yeah, I just sure. wrote one. <laughs> you remember that? Uh, you helped yeah. me with that. Also, actually, yeah. uh, I'm not very active in uh, social media or LinkedIn yeah. or something. Uh, uh, but, but yeah, feel free to... <laughs> if you if you reach this this point in the, the podcast, it's congratulations and <laughs> feel free to contact us. For sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah i I'll I'll, I'll I'll leave the the links for that, for that one that was actually a good one and um and hopefully you lo- you get more about this uh, you, you learn more about this value of using technology. So thanks Francisco.: Thank you so much.